0: Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy.
1: I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. David, the the courts again, getting in the way of healthcare policy. What is going on? Well, John, they came at the Affordable Care Act from many
0: different directions. And here is a new one about trying to whack down the coverage of preventive services. In this case, something called PREP. And, you know, that has very specific meaning for some individuals who are on PrEP, which is to prevent HIV, but it may have much broader implications for prevention overall, although some people say it's a nothing burger.
1: Kelly versus Becerra, another venue shopping conservative hack job at the Affordable Care Act. But what this is really doing in the in the in the in the in the shroud of looking of religious freedom, which preventive healthcare doesn't really have anything to do with, and with the patina of anti-gay activity and sort of sexual prudishness that would sort of suggest something from the another century, uh, the. Conservative attack dogs of the legal bar are really starting to chomp and chip at the administrative state. And I think what this is, David, in attacking preventive care and claiming that they're worried about religious alternatives, what they're really doing is reducing the scope of preventive care. I mean, David, maybe before you say this doesn't matter, maybe you could talk a little bit about. What preventive care is actually protected under Obamacare?
0: Well, John, I, I, I do think it, it matters because there's about 150 million people uh, who are covered uh, under plans uh, that follow the uh, the ACA mandates. That includes prevention. So the specific thing on prevention, John, it, it refers to something called PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis. The idea is basically rather than waiting for someone to get HIV and then treating it uh, you give the same uh, medication to people that are at very high risk of HIV. So that could be men who have sex with men. It could be sex workers. And it's covered now by the Affordable Care Act. And guess what? It turns out it's 99% <laughs> effective in preventing HIV. Uh, and it's just a pretty good payoff considering uh, that it's, you know, it's thousands of dollars a year, but the uh, the impact is really great on an individual and even from a cost standpoint. So that's kind of, that's what PrEP is. And then prevention more broadly, as we, as you may recall, uh, the Affordable Care Act covers things like uh, cancer screening. So that'd be colonoscopy and mammograms, covers smoking cessation, uh, which is a big deal, alcohol abuse counseling, and the list goes on for preventive uh, treatments. And so there has been a major expansion prevent- of preventive treatment uh, under the Affordable Care Act. It's covered with no copays. This did not used to be the case. So it's a big deal from that standpoint if It affects prevention overall.
1: But David, in, in the, in, uh, under the, the false flag of religious freedom, these, you know, Salem witch trial ideologues are going after promiscuity. I mean, really? I, I, the notion that somehow, uh, healthcare in any way affects sexual behavior or that the possibility of preventive care would somehow prevent you know sort of impede m- m- mankind's desire to to bond with its with 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 its mates strikes me as 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 as, as slightly nutty and but the but the claims the l- the specific legal claims here um trotting out an extraordinary uh 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 Extension of the appointments clause of the Constitution, which is really set up for ambassadors Supreme Court, uh, 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 F- federal court, and Supreme Court appointments and cabinet positions, and somehow that should affect the the the, the preventive healthcare task force in a, a purely advisory group that that provides good clinical baseline for what should be in preventive care. And by the way, as healthcare people, we know that they're. The, the fastest way to 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 reduce our healthcare costs is actually to invest in the right kinds of preventive care, to pull out this religious freedom nonsense, and to somehow base it in, in an employer attack on the the the, the Obamacare. It's simply a, a some a, a real a, a retrograde attack on healthcare, and I guess on modern society. I. And, and I think it's just kind of tying itself to these so, sort of big referenced arguments. It it just doesn't make any sense. But what's scary to me, David, is these conservatives that are, that are sort of anti-modern society conservatives are finding a venue in court and a federal judge who... Is willing to side with them. A, listen, and B, as anyone should, but side with them with some pretty kind of old-fashioned, backward-looking arguments. I mean, just David, what about this judge? Maybe that would give some context here, who has come down in favor of this creative interpretation of the law. Do we do we do we have any? background on this federal judge? Well, John, this is certainly a venue shopping
0: uh, one, and this is the U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor. So this is the same uh, judge who a couple of years ago uh, ruled that the whole Affordable Care Act was invalid, uh, you know, based on one point. And, you know, who knew what was going to happen because the Supreme Court has changed in its its trajectory. So I do think, you know, I'm glad you stopped there, John, because I thought you were going to take us back to the Stone Age as opposed to back to the Civil War era, era or so where some of these rulings come from. I do think it's um, at least fair to entertain what might be the other side of this to say, okay, you know, maybe I don't want go for to cover it. prep. All right. So even within, you know, the community that actually uses prep, there is some debate about the the wisdom of this kind of approach and what's the messaging, because you don't want people to uh, increase the risky sex behaviors uh, that had existed before, you know, before HIV and even in the, in the early days of it. And so, there is some discussion, uh, you know, about it. It's not like it's a totally unfathomable, unfathomable topic. Now, it turns out um, there's a couple of arguments. One is that actually it doesn't cause people to increase their risk, really, because nobody actually wants to get uh, HIV David, in the first place.
1: David, David, you're getting hung up in the details. the The indicator here that this was some cotton mather puritanical Salem witch trial approach was embedded in their claims that somehow preventive health care promoted promiscuity. I mean, can you kind of hitch your argument to that wagon? Because I think it's going the wrong direction.
0: Well, John, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get censored here with your talk of fornication and 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 what have you. But I didn't bring it you up. Could, you can imagine how uh, some people could get uh, could get excited about this uh, about this topic, John. But let's talk about but let's. But let's think
1: about the logic there. Yeah. Do we really think that the availability of healthcare affects sexual behavior? I I, I don't know, John.
0: I don't have I don't have an opinion about that, but I do have. I mean. It's a it's an interesting topic and you can see why someone could get worked up about it, right? They don't want to be promoted. Yes. Right. So that's why it's happened. Now but
1: I'm getting worked up on you it are, because John. we have we have a global we have global examples of where providing preventive health care and access to fair and full health care actually reduces healthcare costs and keeps people healthier. We know this. There are example after example yeah. around the globe. We have the, the 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 least amount of coverage and the and and the and the and with the, with the most uncertainty of it in the United States in the developed world. We have the highest costs and the worst health outcomes, and he- life expectancy is going now down in the yeah. United States. It's it's reducing. I think this is the la- this is not the time to start to come up with some con- cockamamie conservative argument or culturally conservative argument. It yeah. doesn't even reflect traditional conservative values that's 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 culturally narrow minded and use that to somehow undermine the the a full package of healthcare. I mean this is going to be a loser in terms of both increasing illness and increasing costs. I don't I don't see how you yeah, take yeah. the other well, side John, of this one, so, David So there's
0: some there are examples, as you said, of, of prevention that are going to save money. In, in the short term, which is where some of the, the timeframes are for the commercial insurers that are covered by, uh, that are affected by the Affordable Care Act. So like smoking cessation, uh, prevention for diabetes is gonna make a difference, but there's some that are actually longer term. And so they don't automatically get covered. You need a mandate like this to do it. Another element though, that's important and it's really come up over the past uh, several years is that covering prevention actually reduces uh, health ec- health disparities. And so, uh, you know, it it doesn't do it but to... Explain,
1: con- but explain what that health disparity thing means. So, I think sometimes yeah. we in healthcare use these big words and what does that really mean? So, John,
0: in the, in the case of, as it relates to prevention, if you look at colonoscopies and mammograms, which are both cancer screening uh, methods that are recommended for people uh, in certain categories, certain age groups, uh, there's a, a lower percentage of people who are uh, on the more vulnerable populations, that includes racial minorities, lower socioeconomic status, sexual minorities, tend to have less access, less use of these tools. When there is a mandate in place, there's at least some impact uh, to reducing the, uh, the, the disparity, meaning the difference that's not based on any good reason, uh, disparities between uh, white people, especially, and uh, black and Hispanics on this area. So if you get rid of prevention, the mandates for prevention, you're going to exacerbate. You're going to make the health disparities worse, and so that's another argument uh, not to allow it yeah, to happen. Yeah, I,
1: I might, I might argue, I might say it slightly differently. That we've already got a gap between people who are poor, people of color, and those who are well off and white. By having a mandate, a broad mandate for preventive care that everyone's got access to, you can shrink the difference between. Those who've not gotten healthcare or been treated well by the healthcare system and those that do. And over time, it doesn't just that, that, that shrinking that gap doesn't just lower the, improve the health outcomes of those who are lower on the socioeconomic s- scale and uh, of a different, uh, and, and, and non white populations. It also reduces the cost for all of us of the healthcare system because we all end up paying the bills at the end of the day. So by shrinking or shredding or, or poking holes in this mandate, we run the risk of that difference being greater and that cost being higher for all of us. So,
0: John, I know that uh, Chief Justice
1: Roberts uh, wants the Supreme Court to, uh, you know, be
0: respected, and uh, it's sort of like you could argue that it, you know maybe be respected by its actions would be a, a way to uh, to expect that to actually happen. Is this case going to get to the Supreme Court and how are they going to rule? It's good we don't actually have our legal experts on because they'd say they don't know and if they, you know, if they can't predict it. Well, I, I, I,
1: th- I think that this, this is likely to be challenged and appealed uh, based on um, the, 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 the kind of the backward looking aspect of this and how it might be used not just to shrink access to preventive and, and protective care around. Uh, around Activities that 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 in in some cases are associated with illnesses related to sexual contact, but I think that the the I don't think anyone can predict what the Supreme Court's going to do, other than it's going to tend towards more of the social mandates of the conservatives that voted them uh, into power. You know, the majority into power, and um, I'm nervous, David. I'm nervous for two reasons. One, I don't trust that they won't make the wrong decision based on kind of the way you and I might look at it. Um, but I also think that they are uh, beholden to the people who voted them in. And so even though it might be a stretch to tie this to a constitutional appointments clause uh, or some argument about religious freedom, this is a court that, is, that that appears to be more focused on its cultural agenda than, um, than, than kind of careful legal analysis.
0: I would agree, John. I wonder if they'll say that the uh, U.S. Pre- Preventive Services Task Force everybody has to be confirmed in the in the Senate uh, one at a time. That would uh, that would slow things down uh, pretty well. So we'll leave that one for another episode, John. I want to be uh, thankful to you for your preparation for our prevention discussion. Uh, that's it for yet another edition of Care Talk. I'm David Williams, President of Health Business Group,
1: and I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe on your favorite service.